0: Well, hey, everybody. Uh, This is Tim with Impact Nations. Uh, Welcome to the Impact Nations podcast. This is episode 20. Uh, Today, I am with our good friend, Carlos Rodriguez, who is coming to us live from Puerto Rico. Hello, Carlos.
1: What's up, my brothers, you and all my sisters
0: and everybody out there? It's good to see you. Uh, Good to see you too, bro. We're normally joined by Steve, or Dad as I like to call him, uh, but he's in <laughs> Bulgaria right now. He's, he's leading a team, our first journey of compassion to Europe. Uh, there's a team of about 30 people there that are going to be going and ministering to uh, people in the ghettos and stuff like that. Life uh, is really rough there, so they're doing medical clinics and water and all sorts of stuff. So um, for those listening out there, stay tuned on our Facebook page because you'll be seeing updates in the coming days. I know God's going to do some amazing things. Um, Carlos uh, is uh, sometimes collaborator with Impact Nations. We've done a few projects together, haven't we, Carlos? Yeah, and we need to do more. That's that's what I need to say about that. You bet. Uh, (laughs) um, Your life has taken a bit of an interesting turn in the last few months. You were located in uh, these United States of America, and now you're a little bit further away. Where are you coming to us from?
1: So I am Skyping from... Vega Alta, Puerto Rico. Wow. Oh, easy it's for about 40. Said. It's about 40. Um, Yeah, it sounds good when I say it. It's about 40 <laughs> minutes, uh, 40 minutes west of San Juan. Um, so it's kind of in between the city and uh, most of our projects. We're doing home reconstruction right now. Most of what we're doing is home reconstruction. A lot of people still under those blue tarps yeah. since so the storm, which is a year in three days since Maria hit Puerto Rico. And there's thousands of people still either living with their neighbors, living with some friends, living um, in the States, kind of waiting for things to get better over here. Mm -hmm. So we're mostly attending to elderly people because here's what we found out. A lot of younger people that could leave to get a job in the States left, they want to find some income for their families. Um, But a lot of elderly people, um, retired people, elderly couples, their kids have all gone and they're stuck in Puerto Rico. Um, so a lot of elderly families and single mothers is mostly what we're attending to right now.
0: Yeah. Wow. What's the mood like? Are Are people kind of coming together and well, getting the Puerto job Rico. done or are they depressed or what's going on? This is the
1: mood. This is the mood that people can see me. The mood is good. We're, we're in Puerto Rico. It's one of the beautiful things about being here on this island is that people make the best out of the worst and, and there, there is a tricky part to that because culturally we are like that. And yet, um, there's been a 22% increase of suicides, a lot of people that are now homeless. Um, so there's, there's that, it's that weird tension of, we will overcome and we move forward and we dance and we sing, and we, you know, get together and yet that getting together brings all sorts of issues. Um, so for a lot of communities, for example, there's a community that we've been attending to in Atalco Quebradillas Literally, two hundred of the four hundred homes were destroyed, and Whoa. a lot of those families moved in. Moved in with their neighbors, which again, there's this beautiful thing of welcoming people and everybody's eating together. And you know, they had no electricity for nine months straight. Everybody's cooking. Everybody's doing all this stuff together. But at the same time, as beautiful as that is, also all sorts of issues of sexual um, abuse and physical abuse, and people that were not used to living together now having to live together. So, you know, there's, we're, we're, we're a country of tensions, both politically, emotionally, culturally. We have this amazing thing of, like, when people get saved in Puerto Rico, bro, they're the greatest Christians you have ever seen. And when we it we're sinning. We're sinning. <laughs> it's kind of like these two very extremes. We don't know how to do, like, half of anything. So, it's you know, but in the midst of it, we're seeing a lot of fruit a lot of open doors, a lot of connections with organizations like Impact Nations, which is really the one. Um, probably our greatest project was that trip we did with 17 of you guys. And just a great team that came and just absolutely killed it. It was so great. But, yeah, so hosting teams all the time up to, like, June of next at least once a month we have a team coming.
0: Wow. Well, I'm sure you're getting yeah. lots done. Um so today okay. we're going to talk a little bit about uh some of the study we've been doing on the podcast here. Uh we've specifically been looking at uh, in the last few weeks John 11 and 12. Um very good. And John 11 is the story of Lazarus and he dies mm-hmm. and there's this really weird thing that happens where Jesus is, Jesus knows he's sick. Uh, he's in the, the next town over or something like that, and he stays in that town for two days intentionally, uh, knowing that his friend is ill, and he dies, and, you know, Martha and Mary both come to him and say, if you'd only been here. Um, mm. and, and as he was teaching that, Dad made a comment, I'll just read it here. He says, suffering is used by God to change and transform us. Um yeah. And I I mean, I think that's probably pretty true. Uh, you and I are both, I would say, still very young men. Uh, but we've done enough living Thank Thank to, you, uh, <laughs> to have faced some suffering. Um, have you ever sure. s- found yourself in the midst of suffering and wondering, like, why is God allowing this? Uh, in the same way that Martha might have wondered, why the heck is Jesus not coming?
1: Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I mean, not just... Not just like intense suffering. Sometimes, not finding a parking spot is like, why
0: is it God giving me
1: a parking spot? There's 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 first world suffering. There's, first, first, first suffering. Yeah, there's there's a bit of both. But but even even though it's funny, there's that thing of somehow finding fault in God and whatever it is that's wrong. Um, so I would say first thing is Jesus is not attending to Lazarus. Who is sick, but he's also at the same time attending to a lot of other people who are sick. So he is attending to somebody's suffering. Um, of course, he could attend to everybody's suffering. We know he's God and he's capable of that. Um, the, obviously, there's mysteries that no matter how theological we can get in our discussion or the Hebrew and the Greek, the Puerto Rican, that we can analyze all the, you know, the rude words of everything, there's some things that are meant to be a mystery that they're just meant to force us to depend. I had an experience when I was in Puerto Rico before moving to Raleigh and then coming back, um, where in the midst of a teaching, I was teaching at a church, big church. Things were happening. It was good. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of on neutral. I'm just going for it and doing my thing, not really thinking about it. And all of a sudden, I really felt God say to me, Carlos, stop right now. You can either keep pretending or you can start depending and I was preaching in Spanish, and he spoke to me in English, so he caught my attention, because he rarely speaks in English. is mostly Spanish. Um, <laughs> and, and I, but when I heard that, I mean, it literally stopped me, and I had to stop. And then I was about to start pretending like, hmm, God is speaking to me. Let me just close my eyes and let me nod my head like I'm in this spiritual moment. That's why it's, God is like, stop pretending. Hmm. You need to depend. And I think both in suffering and success, we can fall into the trap of trying to be people that know what's going on. Why is it going on? Sometimes we need to like go to that basic level of just depend. We can't understand it. We're not going to pretend like we understand it. There's pain. There's suffering. Yes. Why pretend like we know we have a clue? You know, Um, sometimes we just got to depend. So the church, unfortunately, has been very good at teaching people how to pretend. How to raise their hands at the right moment of the right song at the right out, you know, um, and, and, and kind of teaching us what are the Bible verses to stand on. And all that is really, really good. But sometimes we need to get to Jesus wept and that's it. The shortest verse in all of the Bible is that moment where Jesus wept. There's nothing else to be said. That's the verse. Jesus wept. He's not pretending like he's not even trying to explain at that moment specifically like this this there's this cosmic equation about why the suffering had to happen. We get to some of that later, but at that moment, there's those moments in life where that's all we have. It's just Jesus wept. Carlos stopped. Tim reflected. It's just like, that's it. And we depend on God at those moments where maybe some things need to just be a mystery. And that's okay.
0: What does that look like? I mean, you were in the middle of preaching when he said that to you. What did you do?
1: <laughs> mm, yeah, I, I uh, awkwardly stood in silence for about two, three minutes, which felt like three hours, of course. Yeah, I bet. Um, as people are looking at me. And, and again, the whole point of it is I couldn't even start pretending, like, mm, yeah, the Spirit is speaking. Mm. And I can't I back and forth. I'm getting this, you know, revelation from heaven. I just had to stand there and not pretend. The beautiful thing that happened is in that awkward silence, God started to move in the room and there some dramatic healings and some deliverance started to happen. And I kind of lost the meeting in a sense, but it was, the greatest, it was the greatest thing that could have happened. And I just, i always remember that moment, stop pretending, start depending. And sometimes it looks like you literally just stop and you wait and it might take two or three minutes or it might take two or three months and that might be the best thing you can do. If you need to weep at that moment, then weep at that moment. If if you need to talk to somebody, process with somebody, it's okay. There's space for that. I, I, I I've, I've written a little bit about this, this story. And what I love about this story is the fact that Jesus is weeping, Jesus who is God, who is the manifestation of the invisible God, what if we, whatever we see of Jesus, we're seeing of God the Father. Because he said, I only do what I see my Father doing. So the Father is weeping also, right? There's this weird kind of like understanding as you're looking at Jesus, you're seeing God. He's what God has to say. So Jesus is weeping, which in a way is this beautiful permission for us to not do anything but just react to the moment, right? And kind of surrender yeah. to the moment. And Jesus is weeping. He's surrendering to the moment. Um, that means God is giving us permission to do the same. Um, but the resurrection is coming. And it's, I, we didn't know that it would happen at that moment. Maybe Jesus would have said, well, it was his time. I'm not going to resurrect him. Of course, we know the story now. But at that moment, at the Jesus wept, that's all you can do is just be at that moment as opposed to try to get to the other one. Resurrection will come, but you got to do the weeping
0: it it occurs to me we so often uh i think we try to skip that step even as we're uh recognizing or trying to walk with others in their suffering we so like we so often try to skip to the resurrection of you know like oh Romans 8:28 uh you know god's going to work all things for your good and and all that stuff and sure. i i don't know that it's terribly helpful at all times because the person who's in the middle of it just wants that moment to weep um why do we why do we try to skip too. over it? Yeah, but why do we try to skip over that? I, I think, uh, especially in our Christian walk, we've got, you know, well, I got the victory, brother, and we're just going to kind of power through this moment instead of stopping and um, acknowledging the reality, you know, of what is going on in our lives. What What is it that causes us to want to skip past the suffering stage? Not
1: just Not just as believers, but... Jesus Himself, the Son of God, the manifestation of God, the, the the visible representation of the invisible God, the Son of God, the Author of everything, the the Word made flesh. He Himself suffered and expressed His emotions through that suffering. Um, there's there's I, I I don't think it was by accident that He expressed that suffering, those frustrations. He expressed anger, tiredness, and weeping in in. In public, surrounded by friends, where people could see him, um, not just here in um, in John 11 when Lazarus dies, Jesus weeps. Um, Jesus weeps. Also in Mark 14, one of the most like heart wrenching episodes in in any kind of literature of a human being suffering, where he's crying so intensely that blood starts coming out of his forehead. You know, it's like this intense moment of suffering, and I, I, I absolutely love that we have a picture of that. Obviously, I don't love that Jesus went through that, but it's the permission again of the Son of God, perfect in all his ways, having such an intense moment of suffering and he gets almost Puerto Rican because he's like, my heart is greatly troubled, like, like to the point of death. Like, and the disciples are like, like well, obviously, they, they missed the moment. They didn't know what's happening. Jesus knows what's coming, and he's having this very dramatic expression of pain and emotion and tears and using that kind of language. Whereas in the church, it's like, no, 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 wait a minute. Settle down a little bit. Just take a deep breath. Stand on the word. Just have a good moment of worship, you know, and, and again, those are good things. There's no doubt about it. But if you're not first expressing what you're really going through in the midst of suffering, then you're skipping the moment where Jesus collapses on the floor in Mark 14. First time ever in the history of human beings, in all of scripture, first time ever anybody dares to call God Abba is there. In his greatest moment of suffering, in Mark 14, Jesus says, Abba, Father, let it not be my will but yours. So if we want to get to doing the will of God, we first need to allow our hearts to express themselves as they are in all honesty and come to the Father as we are, not as we are pretending to be.
0: Wow, that's good stuff. Um, Have you ever gone through a season perhaps a prolonged season of suffering uh, where, you know, you, you were expressing yourself in those ways, but then looked back, let's say at, after the resurrection, as as you said earlier, uh, and recognized that God was up to something, that there was a, a transformation happening in yourself uh, that brought you for to sure. a new level?
1: For sure, for sure, for sure. Um, Four uh, five years ago now, when... I lost my position as the lead pastor of the church. My ministry's flying. I'm doing amazing. I'm writing books. I'm signing books at big conferences, big events being flown all over the world as a big-time speaker to then kind of collapse. My marriage is, you know, we're talking divorce. I'm really struggling with my faith. I'm, like, doubting God in the midst of all this. So, yeah, I went through a prolonged season of suffering. I would say, like, six dark months of not wanting to get out of bed and legitimately struggling and having to go to see a psychiatrist and having to go through weekly counseling. Goodness gracious, hindsight is beautiful, right? Now I can talk about it and, like, you push through, it's going to be great, and you go- but in the middle of it, it's absolute hell. There's no other word. It's just absolute hell. Um, you feel like you can't, you know, get your head above water and your own heart is just lying to you and tricking you and obviously using a very real legitimate situation to – and and I would say in those times, it's not just the spiritual part, but also having to go see a therapist was one of the most the godliest things I ever did. And it, it, my therapist was a Christian, but it wasn't like a Christian therapy. It was sometimes just like basic how to deal with your emotions, how to manage a time of transition. Um, like transition anxiety is a real thing um, when you're going through major life changes, whether because you lost a job, or you're moving countries. Just being able to deal with that, to talk about it. And yeah, I, I saw God moving ter- therapists as more than anybody else. And, and the consistent work of I need to work on my heart. This is a season that I need help. I need ministry. Uh, that about it. We're not going to live in the me, myself, and I time. But there are seasons where you have to focus on that. And being able to just be honest, again, either you pretend or you depend. Where i am going to depend on God? Obviously, my crap is exposed to everybody, so I might as well be honest. I'm not going <laughs> to hide anymore. I might as well just like go through the process and trust God through it. And being able to just, you know, see Jesus in the most random places you never thought you would find him. Sometimes in the darkest places. I like it because in Spanish, um, sometimes in English, there's some verses, there's some some thoughts about darkness. And we use in English the word darkness is 100% like a negative thing, right? Darkness is negative. Whereas in Spanish, a lot of those spaces, we use the word in Scripture, obscuridad, which is obscurity. And there are seasons in life, and it's harder to explain in English because it's like darkness. Uh, <laughs> it feels like that. But it really what it's talking about is obscurity. It's those places like David in the cave. There's those places that are obscure that you have to kind of be outside and outside of people 's you know attention and um and you just have to be with God in the obscure place it 's not a darkness it 's not like the enemy's in charge it 's actually God putting you almost hiding you for that journey of healing and recovery and et cetera et cetera
0: sometimes we're doing it alone, but sometimes I think. We ought not to be, and we isolate ourselves uh, it's mm-hmm. interesting uh, when he was teaching on this chapter, he made the point that uh mm-hmm. the the resurrection is very much in public he you know he everybody's yes. gathered around to watch this admittedly pretty awesome moment um but he turned he turns to the others who are around and says now untie him set him loose he doesn't say to lazarus hey all right get yourself out of there uh you know Mm. unwrap Mm. yourself or whatever um i like that i i think that for some reason we tend to isolate ourselves rather than calling on others to "Hey, help me um will you come yeah. and participate in Christ's work in my life? Uh, and we yeah. tend to just do it on our own. And I don't know how, and we talk a lot about that on this podcast in terms of kind of the individualism that's crept into the North American church. But yeah. why do you think we're so hesitant to let other believers participate in the work of Christ in our lives?
1: Well, we're, we're, we spend so much time building these facades painting these masks to wear them on Sunday. And especially now with social media, even more, fixing every photo and making sure that the house in the background looks just right and that I just got enough of the crowd that was there to make it look big and that I just, you know? and So we work so hard at building these ideals of who we want to be that when it's time to actually like welcome people from your community that you trust, into seeing the dirty, nasty, ugly spaces, it's just hard. I, I I like to say during that season before I crashed and burned in Jesus' name. Um, <laughs> I I I was so good at being vulnerable, and that people would say like, "Oh man, our pastor's so honest." Like, you know, give you enough vulnerability that it would I would appear approachable, but not enough vulnerability that you would say like, "Oh, he shouldn't be a pastor. He needs." In his ministry. I'll give you enough so that we can relate, but not enough that you're scared of me. And we just have to get to those spaces where there's enough that it's like almost scary. Like, okay, now I really. In order to engage with this person that's really struggling, I can't just base it on my mercy and my grace because it's not enough. I need the grace of God to deal with this stuff. And we need to get to those places where it's like the grace of God is the only thing that can can cover and help and restore. And I saw it with a lot of friends, pastors, leaders that in the midst of crashing and burning stood there, heard me, listened, and stood by me. Uh, when really nasty stuff was coming out and it had to come out and it was by God's grace that, you know, my wife and I were able to go through counseling and ministry and get help and continually be aware that those things are there. And why pretend everybody's got crap. I mean, it's just so obvious that we're all struggling. one way or another, why pretend let's just share it as it is. And I, I want to like, as you're saying, Tim, using, again, the story in Mark 14, Jesus chooses Peter, James and John, and he takes them up the mountain and he says, wait here with me and watch, like, please pray with me again. They don't know the magnitude of the moment, so they fall asleep and we have friends like that. And then Jesus is (laughs) like, could you not wait one hour? Seriously, like I literally just exposed my heart to you. I'm praying dramatically in front of you. Of course, again, we, you know, because I feel more like Peter than Jesus, I'm like, you know, I understand why he fell, fell asleep, right? So take it easy with him. But, but still, even though he knew that they wouldn't measure up to what he needed, he still took those friends with him because he knew he needed the company of these men that would stand with him, even though they didn't stand that, you know, in a great way, but that would be with him in his greatest moment of trial.
0: That's quite a thought when you think about it, that even Jesus— recognize his need to be surrounded by other other believers other men uh to be with him in his hour of need Um, for
1: sure uh, imagine he does 40 days of fasting just before his ministry he defeats satan in this most fashion that's the perfect moment for him to say i don't need anybody i just beat satan by myself I don't need any tribe. I don't need any disciples. I don't need anybody. And yet he still chooses to walk with these men and these women because he had women disciples too that cared with him, women that funded his ministry, um, you know, according to Matthew. like So there's this group of people that are financially, emotionally, spiritually standing with him. Of course they challenge him, and of course they, you know, he has to correct them and direct them. But through the midst of them, he's doing life with them, doing ministry with them, doing family with them. Um, and resurrection with them
0: hmm. so if we are recognizing someone who needs us to come alongside and participate with them in what, in, in what Christ is taking them through in that season of suffering or correction or whatever how do we how do we best do that uh, do you mm-hmm. think in a way that's helpful and not uh, you know yeah. giving them the platitudes or whatever you know what I mean
1: yeah, I 100% know what you mean. I have a friend in Toronto. His name is Curtis Hines. Um, and he preached a sermon about, specifically about evangelism. But the statement that he made, which he said, this applies to anything in life, whether you're a pastor, a leader, a neighbor, you have to earn the right to be heard. Mm-hmm. And earning the right to be heard with people that are struggling means you sit with them through the weeping and the pain and the crying without trying to fix them you got to earn the right to then speak into their lives. Um, you got to earn the right to just love them where they're at so that then you can help them through where they're at to get to the place that God wants them to be. So we, we, again, it's the whole pretending culture. We're so good at just saying the right thing, the right verse uh, for the right moment. And it's so like wrong most of the time. Like when somebody loses a family member and God needed an angel in the heavens and, and we, we have all these weird things that we say to try to make people feel better. Like the, the thing that we need to do is give them permission to like feel questions and doubts and to feel the pain and to feel like and to ask God why. Like the Psalms, half of the Psalms is David questioning God about what he did, that or the other. Like the, the Bible gives us full permission. There's a Book called Lamentations for Good Gracious <laughs> Lamentations. Like there's one. There's full permission to lament, to express that pain. And when we stand with people in that place, I think the best thing we can do is just say I'm sorry. Sometimes we know how they're feeling, but most of the times it's like I don't even know how you're feeling, but I'm here. Just and let people just you know go yeah. through their process. And the tempting thing, and this is for me. Like, I've learned to give people that space, but I'm still like, okay, now you have the space. Now let's get it on. Let's move. You know, let's, So <laughs> I'm still not there because, I, I'm, okay, do the crying. Okay, get over with the crying. So now we can move forward to the resurrection. And some people need 10 years. Some people need 10 minutes. And we have to be okay with whatever people need in their processes and earn the right through love, through presence, um, to then be able to speak into their lives however they need to be spoken to.
0: Mm, that's good Um, the following chapter John 12 beginning of that chapter is uh, Jesus is sitting at Simon the leper's house and they're having a meal together a bunch of people and in comes Mary the quote sinful woman and just starts this extravagant act of worship and it, mm. everybody but Jesus gets offended, like, on a, on a lot of different levels, you know, oh, this, why this wastes, you know, or, you know, just the inappropriate nature of her letting down her hair in their presence, things like that. Mm. Uh, and uh, as Dad said, he says, offense blinds us and distorts our perception of what is happening around us. Offense mm-hmm. blinds us to the other person, their motives, their actions, and we don't even hear their words right. Beautiful. how do we why are yeah. we offendable and how do we get to that place of not being offendable I think in this in this culture you know just the politically charged culture that we're in right now mm. in America everybody is looking for offense almost and how do we get past that to where you know we're not easily offended
1: hmm mm. I, I don't know you tell me bro <laughs> 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 Give me some revelation, Jim. Um, help me out, Jesus. Yeah, it's, it's. It, I would say busyness and offense is definitely some of the biggest temptations of our time. Hmm. Um, feeling busy all the time and feeling offended all the time, like the constant rage. Um, we don't even know what we're angry about. And I think there is an element that that has to do with not processing the rage and the anger appropriately. So then we just stuff it, stuff it, stuff it, stuff it, and then it comes out in the nastiest of ways. Um, Through my blog and through my writing and through my store and all all sorts of media places that I have, that I get so many nasty comments, 99.9% from Christians, um, just saying the most horrible things. And, you know, I've actually reached out to some of them. So some of them are like my strongest Haters, (laughs) if that's the right word to use. Um, Trolls, literally, just Mm -hmm. like complaining about everything I write. And usually, Tim, there's an issue at home with their own lives, how they feel about themselves. And it's almost like media, Internet is just an access to let all that stuff out in a place that doesn't really have any consequences. It's really bizarre. Um, so that I I think number one, we're just not processing anger and rage and offense appropriately Mm -hmm. so that then we can learn how to not be offended at things we shouldn't be offended or be able to appropriately respond to something that is offensive. And I mean, Jesus spoke about it, in Matthew 18, you know, that terrible chapter about when somebody offends, you go to them and then, you know, they sin against you, bring to, and there's this process again. And I would say, again, you're earning the right. You're earning the right with those people. I'm coming to you. We're having, yeah. we are having this conversation about that thing you did that hurt me. And then if, if we get nowhere, then we bring some people that we can trust. And then we, as a community are having that conversation When we get nowhere then we're including the whole, right? So there's, there's a process for it. And again, I think we're just not, we're, the third part, I'm going to tell not just the church, but the whole world through the internet. <laughs> yeah. What about the first part? Let's We can get to that. There's places to get to that. I believe in it 100%, but you get to that by the appropriate way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Randeep, uh, who's our good friend, he yeah. says something really cool about that Matthew 18 passage, because he says, you know, in the very end, after you've gone through all that process and it says, uh, and if they still aren't repenting or whatever, then treat them as an unbeliever. And then he says, but... How are we supposed to treat unbelievers? I know. <laughs> it's a very humbling <laughs> like question. Meaning,
1: meaning, yeah, like yeah. preach the gospel, love them where they're at, yeah. like serve them. I, it's, I, I remember him talking about that when we spoke together at that, at that time I was with you guys. Um, I very much remember that because that impacted me. And it's true. Like even then, it's not like reject them and push them out. It's still welcome them, love them where they're at.
0: Hey, I'm going to interrupt my conversation with Carlos here for just a quick advertisement for our Journeys of Compassion. You heard Carlos mention the ongoing effects of our trip to Puerto Rico from earlier this year. That was a journey of compassion. If you're new to Impact Nations, you should know that Journeys of Compassion are a really big part of who we are. It's during these 12-day trips that people just like you discover that God loves to use His people to heal the sick, meet the needs of the poor, and spend time with the lonely and broken. Join us, will you? God will use you in ways that you never thought imaginable. We have upcoming trips to India, the Philippines, Haiti, Uganda, Guatemala, and more. Visit impactnations.com slash J-O-C to learn more. And now, let's get back to what Carlos was saying. Personally,
1: when I read that story in John 12, I don't feel offended. I feel more like it's just awkward. Like, (laughs) oh, there's... Girl at my like, if that would happen at a church service, <laughs> that would be literally the most awkward thing in the history of things that have ever happened in a church service, right? Like, her hair and oil, and just, <laughs> man, that's just awkward. Um, but again, it's just, yeah, Jesus offends the mind in order to reveal the heart and it's just a beautiful thing as you're reading that story as your dad was saying like you're missing the motivations right you're missing the story behind the story you're missing the absolute surrender of the woman the the how radical for a person to be like i could care less about anybody she almost in a way as a, as a man, Jesus, sitting there, couldn't even care less about what he's thinking. Like, I'm going to worship you. I'm going to honor you. Like, like if you need to correct me while I'm doing it, okay, then correct me. But I'm just, I have to do this. And I have to be at your feet. And I have to surrender everything I have. It's this That's a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful place to be. And I, through trial and error, I find myself more and more comfortable in that place of just, and I, and I, and I say this to friends, family, and even enemies. Like, do you, boo. Like, that's who you are. Like, be who you truly are. Because even if there's something wrong in that, then you can trust the Holy Spirit that he'll bring you through and he'll bring conviction. But at the, just be honest. Just And she was just radically honest with her body, not just with her words, which is a beautiful, beautiful thing.
0: I think that our worship is very much a, a revealer of our of our true self of our heart uh and i mean how often do i find myself in the midst of even just a worship service at church on sunday uh Mm -hmm. finding myself like if if i really stop and evaluate my worship in this moment like if Mm. if this is all i've got to give to god then i guess i don't think much of him now that's a very honest Mm -hmm. difficult moment to come to but i mean it's even just our our physical nature the way we respond to god is is a revealer to what we really think of him and how we value him and sometimes that's a scary thought when you really stop and evaluate your own actions your own worship it is
1: it is and at the same time it reveals how gracious and loving and patient mm-hmm. and willing he is to just like Half of what we're giving him is pretending and we're doing it for our own sakes or for others. Maybe with me is even more than half. But for, you know, <laughs> lovely people out there, it's probably only 50 percent, I probably more like <laughs> 70, 80. I'm just doing it because how is going to look to others? How am I going to, you know, and yet through it all, he loves me through my hypocrisy. He loves me too much to leave me in my hypocrisy, but he loves me in my pretending and in my acting and in my not surrendering to him. In order to then bring me to that place of absolute surrender. Because it really is the best place in the world. I mean, being here in Puerto Rico, um, it's not like I'm suffering. I'm not a missionary to Puerto Rico. Nobody needs to feel sad about me. I'm drinking mojitos. I'm hanging out with great people. I'm serving beautiful people. I'm not suffering, right? Um, But there is an element of suffering, transition, new things, having to buy everything new, the kids having to get used to. Mm -hmm. But man, because God brought us here, the will of God is both the safest dangerous and the most exciting place in the world. And I don't know how you combine those three, but it really is. You know that he's called you and you can just be like, Mary, I don't care. And here's everything. And I couldn't care less what anybody thinks about this moment. Jesus, you're worthy of it all. There's absolutely nothing like it. Nothing like it.
0: I wish I could live like that all the time in terms of just being, being real. Uh, and I wish, I wish I'd be okay with other people doing that. Cause I think you're right. I, you know, I, I think, well, gee, why aren't our churches like that? Uh, but, but then I think, no, well, honestly, if, it, if so I was I, sitting I, in I, row five sure. and somebody started doing something like that, I'd be like, I, I pretty <laughs> sure the football game's about to start. <laughs> I got go. <laughs> to go. honey. Yeah. yeah, that's, true. yeah.
1: That's, that's really good. Tim It's not just giving ourselves permission. It's giving others
0: permission. Yeah. That's and really celebrating good. when they do even, you know? Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah, And that is something, for all the bad things that some of the older generations could say about millennials, and even more than millennials, the generation next, those 17, 18, 19-year-olds right now, for all the things that we can say bad, 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 my goodness, they really empower each other. That's who you are. They're really pro. The human in front of them. They're really good at working together from different backgrounds, different faiths, different styles. They have that. They have that. And some people might say, well, that's just, you know, that's just a culture saying everything's okay. I hear that. But I think that's a great starting point. Let's bring everybody together. And then from that place of being together, again, you earn the right to then say, this is not okay. Maybe this should be. But we start from here. There's no way if we're all this way over here, we're going to get together by you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. That's never. The only thing that would happen is that, boom, we would crash. As yeah. opposed to that, that, we would embrace. So there is there is an element of beauty, and I think that's what Jesus did. He's choosing Matthew, the tax collector, who's an employee of Rome, next to Simon the Celad, who's basically a freedom fighter uh, against Rome. And then there's Peter, and then there's James. There's family members, and you know how much trouble that can cost working in ministry with family. Tim, right? And then there's right? so you got, like this collection of potential issues and yet they're together they're sharing a mission together and the mission brings them together surrounded by jesus there's issues there's problems there's discussions that need to be had no doubt about it but as family and my problem and this is something that i used to do too much as a pastor was use the language of family while still acting like a corporation was Mm -hmm. like sons and daughters and brothers and sisters so the language is there but then okay that person doesn't fit boom let's get rid of them so, okay, that's not family, that's that's a business, actually, that's, that's a bad business. Um, and that's sometimes why so, church splits feel like so deeply painful is because we've been feeding all this family language and then there's a breakup, so of course it's going to feel painful, it's like a divorce, it's like, you know, it's like becoming an orphan, you've had all this church family that doesn't, you know, you don't belong to anymore. So, I don't even know why I went on that rabbit trail, but... We we have to be aware of how we treat each other and how we owe how we welcome each other in the midst of differences and making room for everybody at the table because that's what Jesus did um, and we should too.
0: Yeah, you said something a minute ago. I'm I'm curious to follow up on you. You were talking about different generations and mm. uh, even just their the cultural response to one another. Um, mm-hmm. And I wonder, in your opinion. It, like does that uh, cult- cultural response follow generations through as they grow up or is that is that less a product of a generation and more a product of just um, an age almost, you know, where it's 17, sure. 18 year olds are going to behave differently and think differently when they're 48 or 68. Yeah, what yeah, do you yeah. think it you. is?
1: I think it's, it's both and for sure. There is an element of different generations that seem to be, you know, like when when the Jesus movement was happening, which was really a, kind of a Christian version of the hippies, right? Mm-hmm. There's this really welcoming, inviting. And again, you can see negative stuff in that. But in general, the Jesus movement, <coughs> sorry, my door just slammed. It's a beautiful thing about wind in Puerto Rico. <laughs> um, so there's this... Um, there, Right, You focus on the positive. It's all this welcoming and inviting and what can happen if we belong to each other. And a, a lot of beautiful things like it was happening. The civil rights movement is happening and all these beautiful things that were necessary in America were happening because of that. Uh, so there was a generational component to that. And yet at the same time, like you're saying, it's just young people. They're just naturally more like let's bring people together. Um, but then I remember Charlottesville happening. And a lot of those people that were marching with these torches and saying blood and soil and like Jews will not replace us, which was such a horrible moment in this nation's recent history. Were a lot of young people marching with those torches. And was a difficult conversation for a lot of people. But there's young people carrying on the torch of racism. And, you know, it was it was terrible for me to watch uh, because I in my head, I thought, you know, all that racism, it's going to die eventually. It's just like funky old people from another generation, you know, who, like, but then all these young people are, I'm like, oh, wait a minute. So, so I think there is an element that we have to honor about the different generations. Again, there's an element that is just because of age, but there's definitely a, a, a generation component. And I, and I, I've been reading a lot about this new generation coming. I used to read a lot about millennials, but really I'm paying attention more now to the 17, 18, 19 year olds. Because, Tim, they have so much information, like they have the world in their hands, full access to any kind of experience in any kind of language, in any kind of culture, faith, whatever. So what I've been reading about is that the 17, 18, 19 year olds right now becoming adults, they look at what we would do, like your dad, for example, their grandparents. um, And the separation used to be Tim and Carlos understand that um steve is from another generation so the differences we kind of get them you know they think they're a bit older so they think whatever because of how they grew up but the younger generation the degree of separation between them and their grandparents it's not as if it was two generations but it's as if they were four generations that means that for them going to a church of a baby boomer it's like you and me having to go to the church of a person who was a slave owner who would preach like the Bible is okay with slavery. That's kind of the degree of separation because of the amount of information they have because of the shared experiences that they have with each other. You talk to an 18 year old right now, they all have a friend who's homosexual, a friend who's a lesbian, a friend who's a Muslim, a friend who's who used to go to church and is an atheist. Now a friend who's this They're f- We didn't used to have that when we didn't have internet. You're just friends with the people from your church and maybe that one friend from the neighborhood, right? So yeah. your exposure made you kind of understand much better your father's and your grandfather's experience. Their exposure is separating them so, like, it's like, again, it's like a four-generation. That's never happened before in the history of mankind. So I, I, the church needs to wake up because to attend to this generation, we're having conversations, like you and me, we're having conversations that we might feel are, like, a bit awkward, and, but we need to have them. For them, it's like, what? You're still talking about that? Like, what? The church is still, what? what's going, like, they're already, you understand? Yes. So, goodness, man, we need to wake up and do something about this because they they have social media. They have each other. They have the friend in Bulgaria and they have the other friend in Argentina and they have the, the friend and, and they can gather each other together. And they, in a way, because of social media, they grew up with technology um, at a level that nobody else has. They have access to each other, and in a way, why would they need organized religion? So, so I, th- I, I think the temptation, I, trail, I, I think the
0: temptation for the church is to uh, try so hard to be culturally relevant through technology. So it's like, okay, well, we now we've got a Facebook uh, yeah. account or a Snapchat account. I don't even—I'm too old to even know these yeah, things, yeah, yeah. but uh, but you know, we're we're hip with it now because we can communicate to the uh, right audience. But the problem is, I think what you're saying is it's way beyond that because we actually have to we have to change what we're talking about in Thank order you. to actually get their attention.
1: It's not being in the venues. It's having the right conversations in those venues, for mm. sure. And that's a very good way to say it. Again, if you're there, but you're still doing the same thing we've been doing for 40 years, and, and it's not that the church needs to adjust itself and try to be relevant. No, it's that the church actually has the solution. Um, I was also reading about like depression and suicide, Through the roof, right? We're the most connected generation and at the same time the the most disconnected generation. um, Probably correlates to the fact that we feel like we're connected because we're online, but we're actually not. We're really disconnected. Actually, gathering in church meetings is one of the healthiest things. Forget about the spirituality of it. If you think about just like human nature, science, the brain science, gathering in community, being able to hear yourself singing a song that 50 other people are singing it, it, it actually heals you. It connects you. It makes you feel like you belong. Um, it, it boosts your immune system. It's a powerful thing. The church in community, the language of family, if we did it not just by language, not just by words, but by action, we actually have the solution to, for a generation to be welcome, to be empowered, to be listened to, to be corrected and directed as it needs to but from that place of family, we definitely, I agree with you, it's not being on Facebook, it's what are we talking about, it's what are we addressing, and how are we addressing, and to whom are we addressing it. So
0: what what conversations are we not having in the church that we should be having more often?
1: Yeah, that's good. I think some of the success that I saw with my blog, that I've seen with my blog is what are people talking about already right and even the word ecclesia right that greek concept of church was a gathering in like the plaza where somebody started a discussion and then everybody would get become part of like that discussion of something that's happening there's something wrong with our town ecclesia happens and there's a discussion about what's happening in the town Right. And that's where Jesus comes in and he turns that gathering into let's talk about what's happening. Uh, people are there's there's a problem with leprosy. Well, let's heal the people, heal the people with leprosy. Let's talk about what the Old Testament talked about leprosy. Let's reveal now the grace. Right. The touch of Jesus. And, and so the, the church still has that concept of the gathering. But what do we do in the gathering? Address the things that are being addressed. I fell into that too many times. Things happening on social media, discussions happening in our nation because of politics or um, abuse or whatever, all these things happening. And on Sunday, it's like, oh, let's just focus on Jesus. And Jesus is like, you know, I care about that stuff, right? Like, you know, I came to save mankind from that, right? Can you please include me in those conversations that everybody's already having? Why are we going to sit for two hours, and pretend like we're not having those conversations on race and sexuality? And let's have those conversations. Um, and I think, you know, if Jesus really is the savior of the world, then let's start including Jesus in the saving of the world. Um, bring in the gospel into those stories, into those discussions. And I yeah, I can give you the list. But I think the list is the people are telling us social media in a way is communicating, hey, we need a solution to this church, pay attention. What are we, what are we meant to do about all this sexual abuse? Okay, this is what scripture says. This is what I struggle with for those of you that have struggled with your sexuality. This is how Jesus brought me through it, right? And then we become mm-hmm. part of the conversation and with a lot of honesty and a lot of, you know, radical yeah, openness.
0: Yeah. Because if we're talking about if we're talking about the things that society is talking about, if if we're talking about the things that are being discussed in the public square which now is, mm-hmm. is mostly social media and things, but if we're talking mm-hmm. about those things, then actually it is very multi-generational because these things matter to everybody and so you don't lose yes. uh, you, you're not, I think some churches probably are culturally trying to figure out how do I bridge the gap between you know, the 60 year old who maybe sure. uses Facebook just to check up on their grandkids pictures versus sure. the 18 18- Year old who's in, uh, you know, Instagram all day long. Facebook Instagram. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs>
1: uh, and you grew up, yeah.
0: And how do we bridge the gap? But the reality is, uh, if you're talking about the things that are happening in society, then they affect everybody. They, you don't leave anybody out.
1: And Jesus, he prayed that beautiful prayer in John 17, which is asking the Father to make us one as he and the Father are one. Because in that oneness, we reveal the love of God. It's not, it's not through the programs. It's not through the songs. It's not through the websites. It's through the oneness. It's through the what? Like that Republican is good friends with that liberal, and they're both flying together to Bulgaria to be part of what those guys in New Mexico are doing? Like that's what's really the miraculous, beautiful thing And in this day and age more than ever. The prayer of John seventeen is an opportunity for the church to be the solution to a problem that we've been part of creating ourselves. Um, so, yeah, oneness.
0: And radical. it's a pro- it's a problem that that. The entire culture is addressing and asking about because, I mean, how yes. many, how many newspaper articles do you read that talk about, you know, we've never been more polarized and in our, yes. you know, divided and, you know, yeah. the racial tensions are getting worse and political tensions are getting worse and all these things. And if the church would stand up and, and begin to actually demonstrate like you said not just talk about but demonstrate Mm -hmm. this is what unity this is what it looks like to actually bridge that divide uh -hmm. it would change everything
1: it would it really would and it's hard that it's again it's hard to as you're reading scriptures especially as you're reading the life the gospels the life of jesus i mean the solution is right there he is the unifier. He is the, he is the one that has built this massive table to serve a meal in the presence of our enemies. He makes himself the meal that we get to feast on, his body and his blood. And we get to be included in that meal. The most broken, the ones that pretend like they're not broken, the ones from one side and the other, we get to come to that table together. And I feel like that's why I love what Impact Nation does, because in, the, in that world whatever you want to call it, from evangelism to missions to activism and nonprofit world, whatever you want to call it. In that world, there seems to be way more space for people who are really different to come together for that one cause, right? Mm -hmm. So I really believe, like, organizations like yours, there's there's this season where the church, where the Holy Spirit is breathing life into that, because that is the ministry of Jesus, right? He didn't plant a local church. He started it, and, and I'm, I've been a local church pastor for many years. I 1 billion percent love and support the local church. But I feel there's a season of, like, reigniting the ministry of Jesus where people come together from really different backgrounds to go places and demonstrate what the kingdom of God looks like. Broken people, people that are learning as they go. Um, and I feel like that's, there's an opportunity. And I know that for sure because the 17, the 18, and the 19-year-olds, they don't want to go to church on Sundays. But they would love to come to Puerto Rico to fix some roofing and to be with a family that hasn't had electricity for 13 months, right? So, we, again, we have the solution in so many ways. In terms of the activism that this generation is looking, we have the solution. The unity that this nation is looking, we have the solution. The good news that we hear so many bad news, literally the gospel means the good news. We have the solution. Um, but we are unfortunately becoming too much part of the narrative as opposed to leading the narrative. Yeah, good. And that's my rant. Well, I'm taking an offering. Everybody, send your <laughs> text
0: to. <dude. laughs> uh, well played. Uh, well, I, that's probably a good stepping off point for us. That that left me with about six other great questions that we'll save for next time. Um, Please, thanks but uh, thanks again, Carlos, for being with us. This is marvelous. Uh, if people want to reach out to you, get to know you a little bit better, or follow what you're doing, where's the best place to do that?
1: Yeah, so in all social media channels, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest even, at Happy Sonship. Um, I thought Pinterest block, was for girls. Bro, kind of, uh, Pinterest is amazing. <laughs> Let's, you and me need to talk about how you guys need to get into Pinterest. You it's bet. a search engine. It's just so powerful, I'm telling you. Um, and yes, it's, it's got a lot of good girly things. Um, so you can find me at, at Happy Sonship. Which is the blog, HappyCenture.com. But right now, most of my attention obviously is with the nonprofit. We're about to release an awesome, great website with sponsorships and trips and everything. But if you want more information about the work we're doing in Puerto Rico and Peru and now in Ethiopia, even the happygivers.com, that's our store. We sell lots of apparel, it pays for all the work we do, and we're having a lot of fun doing the work of Jesus. Awesome. The happygivers.com.
0: We will uh, include those links in our show notes uh, and in the Facebook thanks, post man. here as well. Um, thank you again, thanks so much for all that you 're doing. Uh, thanks for hosting us when we 're in your neck of the woods uh, it's just it 's a privilege it 's a privilege to be doing the kingdom alongside of you so thank you
1: i 'm telling you the the stuff we did with impact Nations here in Puerto Rico at the very beginning. It was really your dad, you and your dad that kind of helped me kind of think better about the water filters and the stuff we accomplished it was it was pretty dramatic i mean it was epic i i'm still what 12 months later people that have reached out to me because of those trips that we did together so props to impact nations and everybody support them
0: Mm. And for those who didn't know, one other area where we uh, partnered, you re- referred to just a minute ago, the country of Ethiopia. Yeah. And uh, you were able to get us a bunch of filters uh, that we that awesome. put in uh, Rick's hands and Rick Upadaka took off to Ethiopia He's and worked beast. with our, our friends over there. And the, I, their estimate is uh, schools starting... Uh, right around now in Ethiopia, and their estimate is yeah. that when those doors open, there will be water, clean water, for over twelve thousand students and teachers as a result. So I believe it's it. pretty awesome. So epic, so epic. <laughs> My pleasure. All right, guys. Awesome. Well, thanks, Carlos. You have yourself a great okay. day, and we'll uh, we'll do this again soon. Well, I don't know about you, but I thoroughly enjoyed that conversation with Carlos. uh, And we'll have him again real soon. Hey, we would love to hear from you. We get some emails from listeners from time to time at uh, podcast at impactnations.com. Send us an email. Tell us how you're enjoying the podcast and what sorts of things you'd like us to discuss in the future. Uh, In the meantime, do be sure to head to impactnations.com slash JOC to learn more about those journeys of compassion. Hey, have a great week.